Welcome to the roundtable. I am Jennifer Eller, and with me is my co-host, Mike Hill, and our producer, Nick Wilson, way there in the back. And then our guest today is Don Schoen, who is the program director at the Place of Grace Men's Recovery Home. Very good. Yeah. Right? Very good. Good job, Jennifer. You did Very it. Very good. Uh, that is a Very that's good. a good memory. There you go. Well, I don't know about that. I got to work on it now that I you know fifty one's approaching and don't remember. Hey, do you okay. take do you take memory pills? No, but I sure need to. Let me tell you because it's getting bad. Well, so I don't remember. I lose track of where I'm at during the week, but somewhere in a meeting I had this week, there was this guy who's like, he started taking creatine and some other memory pill together in some drink he does in the morning, and he's like. So much. He's different. focused. Huh? My focus, like he says, my focus is better. I remember they say things that better. Mushroom coffee. That's what is somebody the new else said. Trend. Yeah. 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 yeah the functional yeah. mushrooms. Do yeah. you do it? I I actually just finished my first jar. Okay. So who'd you get yours from? Uh, it was called Beyond Brew. Okay. And it came highly recommended. Did I notice a big difference? Not really, because I think a lot of times those supplements take like 30, 40 days okay. to really get into your system. Okay. So now I'm starting a second jar. I'll let you know in okay. another 30 Yeah, days. because the guys that uh, a couple mm -hmm. podcasts I listen mm -hmm. to, I mean, they are... They're sold on it, aren't they? Oh, I mean, yeah. they talk about it every single yeah. week. They're like yeah. functional mm -hmm. mushrooms for your mental health. Yeah. And, and again, they've been talking a lot because they're military guys. So mm -hmm. they talk a lot about the whole mental health aspect and yeah. how that's declining so mm -hmm. much. And so they... So like these functional mushrooms, and you put them in your, you don't put them in your coffee. I don't know how I mix works. mine in coffee. Okay. That's all I don't I remember, remember what they say. Yeah, you could mix a protein shake. I yeah, think, anything, whatever. but that, yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. Okay. So, well, what brew? It's called Beyond Brew. Beyond Brew. It okay. has, you know, five-star ratings. I looked at all the reviews. It's got all the right ingredients. Something about you have to have certain kind of mushrooms that are fruit-borne. Yeah. It, yeah, it's... Well, yeah. when they first started talking about it, I mean, I probably shouldn't admit this, but I was thinking back to my high school days of, like, the <laughs> psychedelics. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. When you're yeah. doing, when I'm right you're doing you, mushrooms, I'm like... <laughs> You can really buy those now? Yeah, like, I'm, back I'm, then, I'm, you had to go find the dealer. <laughs> to get well, it kind of sounds like you still have to go find no, the dealer. No, no, I mean, these are, yeah. like, sold on Internet now. No, yeah. I know. Oh, I mean, but I, I was like, really, man, it's out there. You can buy the psychedelics. I'll just... <laughs> Yeah, I am. Anyway, I, and I don't like mushrooms. Yeah. So this was a step for me. <laughs> what do I, they do? They taste bad? No, they actually don't. Not okay. at all. They don't taste like mushrooms. I'll tell okay. you that. Actually, it's got a little coca in it, so yeah. it tastes kind of like chocolate. Oh wow! So it's not too bad. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so. I'm gonna do it then. I've been yeah. waiting because I've never met anybody who did it. Yeah. And then again, I'm like. Somebody scamming me, or am I gonna no. take this stuff and be <laughs> no, singing I, kumbaya I, around I, a fire? <laughs> I think it actually works. Okay, I really do. Got but I, I'll know the next thirty days okay. or so. Yeah. So awesome. Yeah. Well, keep me posted. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good. Yeah. So we're gonna get to know you just a little bit okay. before we jump into your story. So. Okay. Do you binge watch any Netflix? Any movies? You know, I'm not a um, a TV guy. I watch okay. sports. Um, okay. Baseball. Who do you like? <laughs> Depends what what okay, sport. Football. Football. So I'm a Chicago Bears fan. Yes. <laughs> oh, yep. yay! Um, baseball. I'm a Chicago White Sox fan. Oh wow! Boo. <laughs> uh, I, I was born and raised on the south side of Chicago. So. 
You were born and raised up there? In Chicago. Really? Southeast side, yeah. You kind of got that Chicago look. I was told when I when I got here that I still had the strong Chicago accent. Yeah, and you kind of look like a hitman. Uh, I thought that too, actually. You know what I mean? Like the guy that would you, you'd meet him in the alley and you'd just pop him. You know, well, like on I a show? You, you, huh? I know some stuff about him. So just Oh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I don't know anything. Uh, I'm just like, that's okay. he's kind of got that, I'm you know, that myself. Italian Chicago, yeah, yeah. hey, don't mess with me type <laughs> yeah. of, oops. Um, that's okay. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Um, I no, tell that's you. funny that you think that. Because oh, right, yeah. right. Um, so, yeah, born and raised in Chicago. I'm, uh, my parents are immigrants. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad came from Italy with his family when he was young. My mom did the same from Poland. Wow. So um, I speak a little bit of two different languages, but just enough to be dangerous. Really? So um, Have you ever went back over? I'm sorry? Have you went back over? I have. have I have been. Really? I've not been to Poland, but I've been to Italy. Wow. So we're, uh, um, uh, we're from Cal- Calabria. And okay. so we're Calabrese. Hmm. And uh, um, so I have met uh, distant cousins when I went hmm. back. And um, so... Which concentration camp is in Poland? Is it Auschwitz? Auschwitz? Yeah, see, yeah, I've wanted Auschwitz. to go just for that. Yeah. Like, I would mm-hmm. love to visit a concentration yeah. camp. And I have not yeah. done a lot of background research on my mom's side, hmm. but I have on my dad's. Hmm. And, um, and, and the only reason why is, you know, as you... As you try and do life and figure out life, and you're in prison and you got lots of time mm. on your hands, you start to think about a lot of different things. <laughs> um, yeah, and right. so, but anyway, my grandfather was a member of the Black Hand, um, which was this the mob that preceded Al Capone. Al Capone kind of ran them out of town. No way. Um, yeah, they were ruthless. They were ruthless. And my dad followed kind of in his footsteps. Um, so growing up was, was tough. Um, you know, you didn't shed tears, uh, you, you fought for everything you, you, you got, and, um, you know, there was no positive male role model, hmm. um, and, uh, you know, I see my dad, see my grandfather do things that a little boy shouldn't see. Really? So it was kind of um, this mentality of this is how you survive, you know, they hmm. were both well off, hmm. you know, um, and uh, so I started to think okay this this is how it's done right mm-hmm. and this uh, is how you do life yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and um my mom kind of took a back seat and uh she was um she was there present but not mm. if that makes sense you know she spoke when she needed to speak so is mm. knowing what chicago's like now was it worse then like i mean i hear these stories of how bad chicago is now <laughs> you know was it Here's the thing. I still go back to Chicago. Okay. I have lots of friends there. Okay. Um, are the gangs there? Yes. Um, but, you know, in, in the greater Chicago area, there's 12 million people, hmm. you know, in all the suburbs and all of that. Um, are the gangs prevalent? Inner city they are. Okay. Um, and, you know, are the drugs there? Absolutely. Are there gang wars? Yes. There have okay. always been those. Right. That's what I meant. I just yeah. wondered, is there really a difference or is it just more publicized yeah. now that people I, see I it? think now um, the big thing is all the shootings. When, when mm. we were growing up, when the things that I did, we were fighters, oh. you know. Um, you got beat up with a baseball bat, oh. you know, um, but you didn't shoot anybody. Well, you're like um, a movie thing. I don't know about that. Like you're that. the brass knuckle <laughs> bell bat guy. Um, like seriously, I'm thinking about some of these movies I've watched. I'm like, yeah. That- I don't know. You know, as it progressed, it got worse because when I was 13 years old, um, I made a decision to join the Chicago street gang. 
Um, and uh, so the next 16 years, till I was 29 years old, um, I led a double life. Um, I worked for the city of Chicago, had a good job. Mm -hmm. uh, but on the side, I was doing all the things that I shouldn't be doing. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I first went to, to jail. Um, I want to say it was right around 1988 um, where I was involved in a drive-by shooting, one of the very few. We got ripped off by another gang, and we went and took our, our revenge. So I was spent about 10 months at Cook County Jail. Um, thought I had it all figured out. I know I'm not going to get caught again. Mm -hmm. uh, charges were later dropped, insufficient evidence, all that. But after 10 months at Cook County, I got out with a, a newfound attitude. And uh, Well, can I interrupt mm -hmm. you for just one mm -hmm. second? Because I'm just... I'm, I'm going to be fascinated now. <laughs> so is the real, like, what you watch on TV, the mafia, mob things, is that real? Like, does that stuff really happen? Here's what, here's what I can tell you. Um, it's obviously it's glamorized on TV. Okay. Um, but my dad would, would disappear for three, four days at a time. If something big was going down, he'd send us kids and my mom on vacation for a couple weeks. Hmm. So I don't know. I, no, I can't I, tell you what, uh, he was, sorry. what he was involved in. I'm just in, like, I was but, wonder how you know. much of that stuff was true and yeah. how much it was glamorized. And, yeah, I don't know, um, to yeah. be honest with you. I know it wasn't good. Yeah. I seen him, I seen him uh, put some real beatings on some guys. Um, and, uh, you know, my dad was, he was feared in the neighborhood. All the other Italians in the neighborhood, boy, they respected him. Wow. Um, and that was because of who he was. Sure. And um, is your dad still alive? He is not. He died. Mm -hmm. um, my mom and dad died when I was 19, three weeks apart. Mm -hmm. So I've been on my own since wow. I've been 19 years old. So, how does somebody end up in a gang? Like, you know what I mean? Like, is it you get recruited? Is well, it. In, in my case, um, if you weren't Italian, Serbian, or Croatian, um, sometimes Polish, you didn't live in our neighborhood. You know, Chicago is segregated, it always has been, mm -hmm. even to this day. Really? Um, you know, there's Polish neighborhoods, there's Chinese neighborhoods, there's Italian neighborhoods still to this day. Mm. Wow. Um, and, and so we had our clique together. And so uh, we formed a band of guys. We staked out our territory, spray painting buildings. This is our territory. Oh, Don't come in here. And if you're, you know, a minority, you really shouldn't come in here. Really? Um, and so hmm. um, we took that very seriously. This yeah. is our corner. That's our corner. That's our corner. This is where we do our business. Stay out. Hmm. And growing up, uh, we didn't have much opposition. You know what's hmm. kind of funny is so we've probably done 150 podcasts. We're getting close to 150, yeah. And so most everybody's story, and maybe you are going to mm -hmm. say this, but most everybody's story is like, well, I grew up in a church and I knew God, but I just never went. And yeah, I, I wish how many people grew up, <laughs> yeah. in, I mean, I, like in Chicago, that. Chicago, yeah. in a gang. Yeah, I and mean, part of the and mafia. understanding the mafia. Like, well, I wasn't part of the mafia. No, I know. No, but your family. Right, right, but, but I mean, just that. did yeah. you even know it? Yeah. That, I guess that's yeah. what I'm saying. Well, like, I, that, I, ex yeah. that part of your story that you even know that world, not the, even the mafia world, the true, like, on the streets, what yeah. it means, what that looks like. I, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's great for our listeners to mm -hmm. be able to see. I mean, this wasn't just like I grew up in a home and I made some bad decisions, yeah. you know. Oh, and shoot. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> Forgot about that. No, Sorry. That's fine. Let me silence that. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. 
Yeah. We're you real can cut here. That We're out, real. Right? No, no, we don't no, cut it out. Don't we go. Can okay. you right. My phone rings half the time. <laughs> okay. I left it in the locker this time, uh, so it quits ringing. I forgot all about that. I'm yeah. Sorry. So you get you get in a gang. You're 13. Yeah. And 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 here's you know so so as I I grew older, I started to. I've always been a, a deep thinker, hmm. and I've always been as far as books go, very book smart. Hmm. Um, and so I mean I I just. I flowed through high school, no problems. Graduated on honor roll and was selling mm. all the all the weed and everything I could in high school. Everybody knew, mm. um, so I started thinking about all this. You know, what what made me make that decision when I was thirteen? Why did mm. I make that choice? And I could tell you there was a few reasons. Mm. I look back and I say, family. Um, mm. It's a tight knit group. We always looked out for each other. Always. Mm. Um, the lack of a positive male role model at my house. I didn't have any guidance. You know who guided me? Mm. Fellow gang members, mm-hmm. our, my peers. Wow. Um, and so those are two big reasons. Mm. And then, you know, it was all about hustling and making the money. And you know what I mean? And we wanted good mm. lives. We yeah. wanted lots of money. And so um, that's what we did. Mm. You know, I mean, I could tell you there are a lot of men um, who I know who didn't make it out of that neighborhood. Mm. Mm. Um and, you know, it's, that's tough. That's tough. You look back and, you, you know, you say to yourself, man, um, that could have been me. I, re- I remember we were in a gang fight in a bar, and um, I actually um, punched a guy with a beer bottle, and his girlfriend stabbed me in the chest with a broken beer bottle. Mm. And, um, I mean, blood was everywhere. It was coming out, and my first reaction was, I'm going to get my gun. I'm going to kill him. Mm. I'm going to kill him. And um, I went to the hospital, got stitched up, and the doctor says, you know, she would have stabbed you a half inch lower. She would have stabbed you right in the heart. Hmm. And maybe you're going to get to this, but I'm just curious. As you, so where you are today and what you saw growing up, do you think most men that end up in incarceration have that same, those same two problems? Like, not a positive male role model mm-hmm. in their life. Because, again, I'm just – I always am – I always think through that. Like, that's yeah. something that's always running through my mind of how much does a, not having a yeah. male figure, not even just a dad, but a positive male role, male model. role model. And the reason it. why I use that word is because there was a huge study done on men in prison. And um, out of that study came some pretty profound uh, data. And one of those data – and one of those data points was out of every 10 men in prison, eight of them had no positive male role model mm. in their lives. Eight out of 10? 80%. So, and then the other data point that I thought was right on is out of every 10 men that are in prison, nine are there in direct correlation to some type of addiction or drugs. Hmm. Um, Either they were on drugs and they committed a crime, they were dealing drugs, whatever. They need, they were stealing because they needed to keep their habit going, mm-hmm. whatever. Wow. And nine out of every ten men that are in prison, that's 90%. Yeah, that's, mm-hmm. that's rough. Yeah. 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 So I'm sorry I keep interrupting that's your okay. story. But no. I just keep, these things keep going through my mind yeah. when you said that. I just mm-hmm. wonder, is that true of most people that they end up incarcerated mm-hmm. because, again, missing, yeah. missing men? Missing yep. mm-hmm. positive male role models. Absolutely. That mm-hmm. is so critical. Yeah. Absolutely mm-hmm. so critical. I think um, one of the things, too, um, I wasn't your average kind of 
hoodlum. Um, okay. But, you know, I led kind of a double life because um, I knew what the authorities were looking for. And mm. so I, I got a full-time job. Yeah. I, I worked for the city of Chicago. Right. I had a good job. So right. what did you do for the city of Chicago? I worked for the Chicago Park District. I was a union rigger. Oh. Wow. So I did all kinds of specials, events, all kinds mm. of stuff. And then on the side, I was selling all the drugs mm -hmm. and everything. All the money was being distributed mm. um, where it wasn't tied to me. So I... My goal, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, I've told my wife this, my goal was by the time I was 30 years old, I wanted to be a millionaire. Yeah. You know? Uh, and I was well on my way. Right. Well on my way. Right. Um, but in 1990, beginning of 1992 into 93, um, I was um, doing, I'll just, re re I'll, re I'll say it this way, I was doing some dirt in Indiana. Okay. And um, I got caught and they were watching me for a long time. And uh, so I was charged with 26 Class C felonies. 26? 26. I think now they would call that a level four. I think because uh, mm. level five is the highest. So I think they would mm -hmm. say, uh, or maybe a level three, wh mm. whatever. But mm -hmm. yeah, it was, um, it was a lot of charges. And mm. uh, they were looking to send me to prison for a long, long time. Mm. Mm. And, um, and that's when I started saying, I don't want to die in prison. Mm. I don't want to die in prison. What do I got to do? So I spent a small fortune on a lawyer, um, and uh, um, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Hmm. I, was, <clears throat> I was trying to call guys, you know, guys that I knew, guys in the gang, and everybody thought I was going to flip because of all the charges they had on me, hmm. you know, just to get a lighter sentence. I wasn't raised that way. It was never, that thought never crossed my mind. They never even asked me to. But they wouldn't answer my calls. They wouldn't want nothing to do with me. Everybody just scattered. Mm -hmm. You know, like when you turn the light on with roaches, mm -hmm. uh, they scattered. <laughs> um, and so um, I was by myself. My parents were gone. Um, I, I was married for a short time. My wife filed for a divorce, took all the money that we had spread out everywhere, mm -hmm. and uh, I was by myself. Um, you know, as, as, um, as things progressed... Um, came to a plea deal, a plea agreement, and I ended up uh, doing a uh, sentence to 10 to 5. Hmm. So I ended up doing about five and a half years. Um, I, was I went to prison real late 93, somewhere in there I got out in 99. Can you, again, you don't have to, but can you share any story of like crazy thing that you did as a... <laughs> I mean, gang I, member? Yeah, I, can like, tell you. I mean, I'm not trying yeah. to dramatize it, no. but I, I mean, just to give people a little bit of a, a feel for what, because again, I'm, I don't know that anybody could grasp the fact of like, you know, you may maybe made a bad decision or made yeah. a couple bad decisions. Yeah. Is there a story of like maybe when you were at your lowest? Mm -hmm. of, I, I think you know, um, not only was I I dealing drugs, but I was doing drugs. I was addicted to drugs. I was addicted to the money. I was addicted to mm. the. Um, the adrenaline rush that came from all of that. Huh. Um, and there was one time, uh, very few times that uh, guns were involved. Um, other than the drive-by shooting, I was in a, another bar. Um, you know, it's amazing because when I was doing all the dirt, I would go into a bar. I would never, ever sit with my back to the door. Really? I would always face the door. Always, hmm. always want to see mm -hmm. who was coming in. Hmm. Um, and, you know, you make lots of enemies. You know, you, 
you beat up people, you fight with other gangs, mm. and you know. So anyway, um, we had gotten into a, a tiff with uh, another gang, um, and uh, I, I, I'm not going to tell names, be, names sure. of mm-hmm. gangs because right. I don't. Yeah. Right. So we got, and um, they came looking for us, and um, I was in the bar. Um, a buddy happened to be walking out of the bar and seen them all getting out of the car. Mm. And so we knew what was coming. Um, so we all tried to run out the back door. Um, they started shooting. Um, they stopped shooting. And uh, I peeked around the corner of the door. And um, as I peeked, a guy shot, and the bullet landed right next to my head and blew me back through the door. Um, that, what to me, was... You know, another instance where I believe, <clears throat> excuse me, where God was really yeah. saving my life. Were you ever um, f- afraid? I wasn't really? at the time. I think back and I say, I think what was I thinking? I'm thinking of all of these things and I'm like, yeah, I mean. Just- I don't think I ever mm-hmm. sensed fear. I, mm. I, my fear um, comes out as anger. Mm. And I've been in lots and lots of fights. Right. Um, so that's how my fear um, comes to light, hmm. you know, as I get angry. Right. Um, and still, even to this day, you know, now the anger is silence, mm-hmm. you know, because the physical side is obviously that, that's right. been gone. But um, so I don't ever recall being afraid. Wow. Even when I got to prison for the first time, um, you know, I knew they were going to test me. I knew that was coming. And as soon as the first guy tested me, what I do? I hit him. Mm. Mm. I hit him because, you know what? It's okay. I, I'm not backing down. Right. Um, and um, so I spent, I don't know, my first 90 days or so in the hole mm-hmm. uh, for fighting. Um, and, you know, you just, that old Don, um, that that hoodlum, um, was really entrenched in me, you mm. know? And um, even though I was a, a born-again believer, uh, I remember getting to prison. I remember walking around the prison yard saying, Jesus, I, I know what I did, but I don't know you, and I'm going to need a lot of help to get right. through this. Um, so how old were you when you got to prison? Or, yeah. I was uh, 20, no, I was 30 years old. 30 years old when you got incarcerated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got arrested when I was 29. Okay. So um, up until that time, I only had one prior arrest, and that was for a drive-by shooting where charges were dropped. Mm -hmm. So So when you get in there, is there – because, again, I don't know what a typical mm – how the typical jail stuff works. Is is that people are in there preaching all the time? Because you said – you kind of just like – Hey, went to jail and got five years and well, found uh, Jesus. Yeah, you know, I mean, no, is it like people it was, in there it's preaching? It's kind of funny, Mike, because um, I accepted Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, at the Lake County Jail while I was on trial. Really? Yeah. And so um, it's amazing. I still remember their names were Jesse and Marsha. She was a, a, a big, tall white woman, and he was a black guy of maybe five foot tall. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. They would come every week faithfully, and they would preach the gospel faithfully. And finally, one week, you know, they'd go around the cell, ask everybody. I'm like, hey, I need to get out of this cell. Yeah, I'll go sit over there Mm -hmm. in church service. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, what they say um, in in the scripture is that um, 
you're saved by grace through faith. It's not from yourself. It is a gift from God. Mm -hmm. And so that gift uh, of saving faith was bestowed on me. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and that's where, when I said, you know, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> the only problem, Romans 7 still wanted to surface, and Paul, um, the very things I don't want to do are the very things I do. Yeah, you know, it's sure. called flesh. Right. And uh, so that was hard. Hmm. You know, I had 30 years of ingrained mm -hmm. way of life. Right. Uh, and it wasn't good. Hardly any of it. Had you uh, heard mm -hmm. the gospel before? Never. Mm. Never See, heard the that, gospel. That to me is mm -hmm. just another reminder. Like we can be in mission fields overseas and mm -hmm. preach to the unreached, but I think there's a lot of the unreached. I can tell you a couple of things we did do, though. So um, there was a church that would send out busloads of people to to the neighborhoods, and you know, and mm -hmm. they would go to you know all the gangs or wherever, and and so they uh, <coughs> bless you. Um, so they came one day, and they were <coughs> we, they were we were in front of our hangout. And they came and they started preaching the gospel. Mm. But they started talking to us first. And okay. I say they started preaching the gospel, even though I never heard it, because that's what they intended to do, but they mm -hmm. didn't make it. it. <laughs> <laughs> here's why. Uh, all of us <laughs> tipped over their bus oh. and they fled. <laughs> true story. <Nick>. True story. <laughs> yeah. True, true story you, as God is my witness. We tipped over their bus. Yeah. You came in to preach the gospel. You're going back out walking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, a true story mm. to this day. Um, and uh, um, so that's about the closest I ever came yeah. to hearing the gospel. Yeah. So um, then, so mm. once they, so again, you receive Christ before you actually go into prison. Right. Yeah. So uh, how do you maintain your faith like how does that yeah. work because i obviously i say obviously mm -hmm. i have no idea there's not church there's not bible studies well, there, or is is. there there yeah, is prison see prison um state prison you're mandated by the federal government to have church services freedom of religion there's wiccas there's um there's islam there is uh, new age there is a multiple series of different religions because it's federal uh, ordered. You have to have it. Huh. Yeah. So you I have religious freedom in prison. Okay. So yeah, there were church service, there were Bible studies. And I remember walking around the prison yard saying, God, like I told you, I, I, I have no clue. I have no clue. You hmm. need to put somebody in my life. Yeah. And so there was a, a couple lifers that seen what happened initially when I got there. Um, and uh, they came up to me. When I say lifers, they had already did at least 25 years mm -hmm. and said, hey, um, uh, we want to talk to you. So I went over and I started talking to them. I told them, I said, you know, I don't know what overcame. I don't know what happened. I just did what naturally I thought I needed to do. And so I, sh I shared with them that I accepted Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, but I had no clue what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, you need to come with us. And so they took me under their wing. Um, and they really um, mentored me, mm. um, and they really helped me, and they established me and how important it was to read the Bible every day. And, you know, mm. I just discovered that God just gave me five and a half years of not worrying about what I'm going to wear. I don't have to go to work, <laughs> where I'm going to lay my head, where mm. my next meal is coming from. He gave me five and a half years mm. to study his mm. word right, with no other worries. Wow. I don't know. That's 
Well, I mean, he no other worries. I mean, there might be a twisted way of looking at it. I'm talking about no other (laughs) worldly worries. Right, for Um, sure. And um, I just love that those guys that were in prison that still were being used by God. And you know, it's just like, yeah, we know we're here, but we're still going to try to reach people for Jesus. I agree. I mean, that is just like. Because if those guys wouldn't have came alongside, I don't know what would happen. I was baptized in prison. Hmm. Um, And just another, another story. So I, I do lots of prison work still. And um, so I had to go back to some training at Miami uh, Correctional Facility. And um, a gentleman I haven't seen um, in over 30 years um, was sitting across the table mm-hmm. from me, and it was the pastor who baptized me. No. Wow. Uh, did he remember you? He did. I'm sure. I mean, he did. Chained them. Yep. And um, I went up to him, and I said, um, wow. you know, you baptized me in 1994. Mm. Um, and it was a little trough in prison. Hmm. Um, and uh, we were, I guess we were featured in DOC magazine and whatever, but, you know, just his faithfulness all right. those years coming, right. you know, and it really mm-hmm. spoke mm-hmm. volumes to me. Hmm. You know, I've been working within the prison system since the day I got out. Um, and yeah, I so still- can you talk, mm-hmm. I just want to make sure we get to the part of like, because I'm assuming, I mean, being the director that you are with the, the men's place of grace, mm-hmm. and again, I'm going to say this, I think this is right, but it's to help through the transition period of getting out of prison and getting into life. Absolutely. So can you talk a little bit mm-hmm. about your struggle of, I mean, because mm-hmm. again, it's something I don't no. know and I don't understand and I don't get, mm-hmm. you, you do five years, you're on fire for Jesus, like you're learning everything and then you get out. So you get your freedom. But from what I would understand you guys, saying that's a that's not as easy as it sounds to just walk out and start mm-hmm. life yeah I, I i walked out of prison at um 30 almost 36 years old with 1200 dollars to my name mm-hmm. 1200 dollars. i worked my whole life and um you know it, and a lot of it was due to my very poor choices mm-hmm. but i still had to get started right and, um so i had a spiritual family um that came alongside me um and they directed me, you know, helping me make decisions. And um, decide. how'd you get a spiritual family? Um, mm-hmm. While I was in prison, um, the two men that would come and mentor me that were ex-gang members that mm-hmm. got saved, they knew a family that was missionaries in Bolivia mm-hmm. who had a, a place for me to stay. Wow. Isn't it, wow. <laughs> yeah. Amazing how God mm-hmm. works. Um, yeah. And um, they prayed about mm-hmm. it, and they said, uh, you know, I think. God is telling us we, mm-hmm. we need to give you a place to stay. Right. And so now they're my spiritual parents. He's 96, she's 89. Mm-hmm. Uh, still go and see him in Chicago. Uh, but um, so I had a, a small return to prison after I got out the first time. Mm-hmm. And um, I, it was due to, again, um, I started working this business um, and was ripped off by a contractor. And the old Don came out. Sure. We'll get mine. Yeah, I'm gonna get mine. <laughs> so I went back to prison for another year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I got out uh, the final time, um, I knew I couldn't go back to Chicago. Mm-hmm. I couldn't. I know too many people, too mm-hmm. many things, and so um, I found a, a, a transitional home in South Bend, Indiana, because I was at South Bend Work Release at the time. Okay. And um, the gentleman, I was his very first resident. Uh, he was just starting the ministry. Um, and, um, from there he took me to a church Mm -hmm. that accepted me, um, mentored me. 
The pastor still to this day is one of my best friends and my mm. mentor. Mm. Um, that's 24 years ago, 23 mm. years ago. It'll be 24. Mm. Um, I just spoke at their men's breakfast not too long ago for a chance, probably six months ago, for a chance to thank them for what they did. Mm. Mm. They accepted me. They helped me. Um, they mentored me. They came alongside me. Um, they didn't hand me anything. Right. But they taught me God's word and the value of honesty, integrity, hmm. and doing the right things, hmm. no matter what. Yeah. And to me, um, that was the foundation uh, of what God was calling me to do. Yeah. Mm. So did that? Yeah. So did that spark something in you? Because again, I'm just sitting here thinking like. When you've been through an experience that changes your life, yeah. you want to try to replicate that mm -hmm. again in the lives of other people because yeah. of that gift. I think, um, I think what it did was just um, cemented what God was doing in my life in the direction he wanted me to go. Hmm. Um, you know, he was taking those poor choices, those life experiences, that prison time, all of the junk, and he was making a diamond out of it. Hmm. And um, so I really felt, you know, I need to, um, this is where I need to be, yeah. you know. And so as I grew in my faith and the church coming alongside me, they sponsored me and gave me a scholarship to go to Moody Bible Institute mm. and finish up what I started my first prison bit, finished with uh, my degree in biblical studies. Mm. Um, and uh, I became the director of that transitional program. Wow. So when I met my wife, mm -hmm. we had eight homes with 28 guys. We were helping transition out of prison, out of county jail, and doing things like that. And that's when I really felt called that, you know, I wanted to get married. Hmm. And so um, I think you know my wife, mm -hmm. Heidi. Yeah, Yeah. No, she used to pray with Sherry. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, so um, she had three small children. Um, I knew I couldn't work a full-time job, support a family, and to be director of the ministry. Hmm. So I, I handed off the directorship to a gentleman who still has the program hmm. going today. So this is up north? This is in South Bend. Wow. Yeah. And uh, Heidi and I got married. Um, my job brought me here to Huntington 14, 15 years because ago. Because I was going to yeah. ask you how you ended up here. Yeah, okay, so, so the job. job. Yeah. And so um, we raised our kids um, they're amazing adults now, um, and uh, it's Heidi and I, and uh, I'm only working part-time, four hmm. days a week now, and I have lots of free time, and I feel like God is calling me. Hmm. Can you hmm. talk about uh, what does it mean, or what, how, do, how do you feel for you personally then and maybe even now? What does it look like for the church, God's people, to come alongside people? Oh. Mike, I can't tell you how important it is yeah. um, for, for us to have those role models, whether mm. it be men or women, um, those godly role models to help us and direct us. Mm. Even if the men or women are unbelievers, right. there is something about a person who, who is kind, who loves the Lord, mm. um, who can come alongside these men and women and say, we're here for you, hmm. you know, not enable, but we're sure. here for you. Right. You know, um, and uh, I think that's that's the real calling, a real burden I have on my heart is, you know, now um, I'm seeing our community 
um, and what's happening in our community, you know, with the fentanyl and, and all of the other hmm. drugs that are going on, um, the, the alcohol, and um, I, I really feel led to open a men's recovery home. Hmm. And so that's when I approached the board of Place of Grace. Hmm. Um, I was one of the founding members of the board, and then I had stepped down when the women's program got up mm. and running because there was no really role for me. Right. Um, and uh, here, Place of Grace, nine years later, uh, one recovery home, two graduate homes, and a woman's home being built for women and children. Mm. You know, amazing right. what they've done. And so what's the next step? The next step is the men's recovery home. Mm. And so I approached the board. Um, I said, here's my, here's my vision. Um, here's my heart. Everybody knows me here. Mm -hmm. um, and they were like, let's pray about it. Well, I would say it probably took them about uh, two days. <laughs> and they got back to me and said, um, we're on board. Mm -hmm. We're on board. Um, what does that look mm -hmm. like to you? So backing up a little bit, about six years ago, um, I was asked to sit on the community corrections board, Huntington County. Hmm. Um, and um, couldn't figure out why I was sitting on this corrections board because I had no input. <laughs> I had no understanding of everything that they were doing. Um, I did have previous experience because I was the only ex-offender to sit on St. Joe County's uh, corrections board, uh, but I helped them make a lot of policy there. Mm. Here they had pretty much everything, so... I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I kept praying, Lord, I, I just need to get, get off this board. Huh? Right. And then about two years ago, I started talking about a work release facility. Hmm. Um, started looking for a work release facility. Well, this past November, um, that came to, uh, came to be uh, when the sisters at Victory Knoll gave them the county right. half the facility. And so... My role there now is I'm the volunteer coordinator and the chaplain. So we've got CR. They're, mm -hmm. they're going to be able to come to Life Church here mm -hmm. in two weeks. Yeah. Um, and, um, and that is just a part of the process of, of getting this men's recovery home mm -hmm. up and running. Because I'll be honest with you, right now, there's probably three to four guys there that have nowhere to go when they get out. Mm. And there's probably another three guys that are going back to an extremely toxic environment. Mm. Yeah, so mm. why, again, I, I'm assuming this is just, I'm sure, a dumb question, but why a women's home first? Didn't, aren't there more men in jail? Well, you know... <laughs> I would just assume I, there's I, more you men. You know, I never asked that question uh, because I've just felt like, okay, mm. God, if this is what you want yeah, me to do... Yeah, for sure. I just wondered if there was mm. a theory behind it. Like, what motivates... Because I hear a lot of that. There mm. are... A decent amount of things for decent yeah. amount, but the like places for men to go. It just yeah. seemed like there was less. Yeah. I don't even know if that's no, true. No, I think that's... that is true. I think the numbers uh, uh, back up what you're saying, but I I don't know. I don't know why. I wish I had an answer for you, but uh, um, the women who were ministering to the women at the jail, mm -hmm. they boy, they were passionate. Yeah, you know, and they uh, they were smart. Um, Here's, here's my, uh, I'm, a, I'm a get it done guy. Mm -hmm. um, I would go in there and say, okay, let's do it. Let's get it done. And the women say, wait a minute, we got to talk about this. We got to think <laughs> about it. And it, it was good. It was yeah. good for me to see that, you know, because I'm like, 
I just bust through the wall. Let's keep going. Right. And the women were like, oh, lots of questions. Right. And so um, just to watch that happen, mm-hmm. you know, and the director, the executive director they have now uh, is amazing. Mm-hmm. Brittany is amazing. She is super smart. Um, she is uh, well-educated, and um, she has that program running very, very well. Right. And so... Um, I don't know why they started the women's program first, but I'm glad they did because now I can learn from all their mistakes. Sure, yeah. Uh, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. Yeah, Um, right. I don't want to be anything but working with the men. And Uh, what what are the biggest barriers to get something like that going? Is it it finding a house? Is it being approved? Like, I'm just trying to decide. Well, I, I, I think, I'll be honest with you, the biggest barrier is finding a house in the right location. Um, You know, it can't be too close to schools because sometimes the parents get upset about that. Oh, Hmm. we got a recovery Mm -hmm. home. That's right. So finding that and and obviously the big one is the finances behind it. Hmm. So we are in a a fundraising stage right now. Mm -hmm. Um, We're hoping to have everything in place and have that house up and running by the summer. Mm -hmm. We shot, we were shooting for this spring, but, you know... um, you know, until God opens up the door, we're right. gonna we're gonna wait. Right. Um, you know, if somebody has a house or they want to start to give, um, they could just send it a place of grace and write men's recovery home on it. Okay. We have a substantial. Uh, you know, we we've got a pretty good nest egg going right now. Right. But we still need quite a bit more. We're figuring just the first two months of. Uh, up and running expenses of what the house might need is going to be around thirty thousand dollars, hmm. and so. But you have a house now. We don't. Or you don't have a no. house. How's that even possible? Mm-hmm. But you, you know, know what, what I mean. Like all of the places mm-hmm. that seem like they're for sale around Huntington, how? Yeah. Realtors, you guys out there, <laughs> give him a house. Yeah. What is going on? Like well, we, we're trusting. Give this. up one of your rentals. Let's go. Yeah. Come on. And you know we'll and yeah we're we're um. We're trusting God for it. Yeah, no. You know, I, I, so I, how I, many bedrooms do you want? How many bathrooms do you want? Put out your wish yeah, list well, here. What do you want? We'd like to start with right around 8 to 10 guys, but we can go up to 15. Hmm. Um, we've already got a team put in place. Hmm. So it would have to be, I think, code says, and you got to have one bathroom for every three guys. Hmm. Uh, Brittany would know more hmm. about all of that. Um, and... Uh, um, so that would be um, that would be a, a blessing mm-hmm. uh, if we could if we could start with fifteen guys and we can fill that house in no time. Mm-hmm. Right. And since we're licensed by the state, we're approved by uh, Huntington Community Corrections. We would have men even sentenced right to our program oh, from really? county jail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So um, we have a team in place. We have a spiritual leader, uh, mm-hmm. Jim Hippensteel. We mm-hmm. have yeah. Life Church. Uh, we have CR. Uh, Jeff Diamond's going to yep. be running that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have the mentoring program that Taylor and I are working on. Yeah. Um, I'll be teaching as I uh, um, as I come on board with uh, with uh, authentic manhood teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be teaching that. Mm-hmm. And um, and program director, we have one guy um, who has done thirty years in prison. Who um, I already said, sign me up. He wants to be one of the part-time house guys to work with the guys. Wow. So, I mean, God is just bringing mm-hmm. all the people together, all of them. 
It's amazing. Mm-hmm. How does, so for somebody that's out there, so it's obvious, like if you want to donate or you should donate, like go onto the website. Place of Grace website. And just put, attach the men's part. Uh, yeah, yeah right. men's recovery home. Right. Um, so that's all you have to do. Are these homes, they're not self-sustainable, right? Like they're not, it's always going to be a, uh, based upon funds coming yeah, giving so, right. It's not a like somebody pays something to be there. No, so this is this is the part I'm still learning. Um, Brittany's very good at explaining it, and she knows it very well. So the initial home is going to be a recovery home with a four to six month program, depending on what okay. they're coming from. After that, they'll move to uh, a um, uh, a secondary house, okay. where they'll spend another four to six months uh, acclimating themselves. Uh, obviously working and, and doing all those things, but still being part of the program. Hmm. And then they'll have an option to go to phase three, which is graduate housing, hmm. where they'll be like each step is a little bit more independent, right? Uh, a little bit more self-sustaining. Yeah. So the initial four months, there's some um, recovery works funds that are available okay. to kind of help them and support them. Right. They won't work for the first 30 days as we acclimate them right. to the program and what we're doing and all of that. Um, but there'll be, you know, not only spiritual uh, training, CR, there'll be physical as well. There's, uh, I just talked to Rayanne today about yeah. putting a, um, a program together uh, because men need physical exercise. Amen. You know, um, <laughs> they do. They do. Um, so um, I have a lot of the program worked out. I'm still mm-hmm. uh, asking Brittany lots of questions sure. because I want to learn from all of their mistakes mm-hmm. and not try to repeat those mistakes. Right. Yeah, I just want to be a, I mean, Life Church has always tried to be what, how do we help remove barriers? Yeah. Like we, we don't have to be <clears throat> highly involved, but we can be people that can tear down walls. So through whatever we can do, that's what I'd like to say. Like if it's, again, if it's money, if it's a house, it's a, there's enough people that listen and watch this that I just, I mean, we're just going to pray that God lays on people's hearts because I mean, it's obvious that this is a huge need and a huge calling on your life and that we ought to be able to figure out Mm -hmm. how to remove some of those barriers and see some of those things happen. You know, I'm, um, I really been, I've been trusting God for this and, um, Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I had a chance to take another full-time job. I didn't even talk to my wife about it because the answer was no. Um, <laughs> I'm sticking with the four days a week because this is what God has called me to do. Right. Um, and um, I, I think uh, I, th- I think really the mm. biggest part for me is to help these men coming out of county jail, help these men coming out of prison, help these men that are sentenced to say that you're valuable. Mm. You are <clears throat> excuse me, you are so valuable that God sent his son for you. Mm. Yeah. You know, you're, you're important. You mean something. This past mistakes or your struggles doesn't dictate who you mm-hmm. are. Mm. You know, God's got a plan for your life. The, big, the biggest struggle is do you want to surrender to that plan? Yeah. You know, um, I've... Uh, I know I go back and forth with that. Mm-hmm. I do. I go back and forth with that because, believe it or not, 30 years as a believer, there are days mm-hmm. where the old Don just sure surfaces, mm-hmm. you know, um, and mm-hmm. I battle that flesh, mm-hmm. you know, and um, it's still a growing process because 
You know, I spent three years um, working with the men on Indiana's death row. There were 12 mm. guys there. I would go every month and spend four to six hours there mm. with them. I learned a lot about depravity, about my own depravity. Mm. I learned a lot about uh, insight of what that's like. Mm. I remember this. This is kind of a profound story when the guy told me. So there's a gentleman. He's a believer on death row. There's two of them there. Um, Come for my usual visit. Hey, Don, sit down. I want to talk to you. Yeah, what's going on? I had three lawyers come to see me today. Or no, two lawyers and um, what do they call the interns? Paralegals. Paralegal. Yeah. yeah. Came, I said, okay, tell me about it. Well, they wanted me to file this petition um, because the drugs that they use on death row are, are not safe. And so they want me to file this petition to stay off my execution. So oh. mm -hmm. I said, uh, what'd you say? He said, uh, no, I don't want to do it. Hmm. And uh, there was a young lady there, a paralegal, kept looking at me. And I asked her, I said, do you have a question for me? She goes, yeah. He goes, go ahead, you can ask it. And she asked him, how do you deal with this place? I mean, it, it's, it's six by nine, and they're out of their cells for one hour a day. That's it. Hmm. And they never leave the range, ever, ever. They're handcuffed and shackled wherever they go. Hmm. Um, I mean, these men, um, you know, obviously they've done capital murders. Yeah. Right. Um, and uh, he says, young lady, let me tell you something. And he pulled out a mirror and he showed it to her. He says, when I could learn to live with the man in that mirror, I can handle this place. Hmm. And that was pretty profound to hmm. me because he wow. was dealing with, you know, being a born again believer, what he did. Hmm. You know, he's dealing with it every day, hmm. every day. He can't make up for it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? He, he, there's nothing he can do other than rest in the unconditional mm -hmm. forgiveness. Of right. God. right. That's it, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I had another gentleman on death row. Um, not, his IQ was very low. Um, but he said, he said, Don, he says, you know, they're trying to change the death penalty law. I said, really? I, he goes, yeah. I said, well, what do you think about that? He says, well, I think that if you um, capital murder somebody, you should die. And then I looked at him. I said, well, that's what you're here for. He goes, yeah, I know. He goes, I just don't want that to happen to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, lots of conversations like that. Yeah. You know. So uh, we're getting close to the end. So I got a couple things I would like. Okay. Unless you, nope. you got nope. a couple. So <laughs> nope. let's look beforehand. So okay. let's talk about what can we do as men to help guys not get incarcerated? Like, what do we need to be doing in our community today from a, can you give us some advice on, or give our listeners or people that are watching some advice as being a good male role model, what can we be doing to help keep that from happening? Yeah. Right? I, I think one of the biggest things is that we have to engage our youth. Okay. You know, I, I think engaging them, meeting them where they're at mm. um, is a big step in earning their trust. Okay. Because once you earn their trust, um, they'll confide in you. Mm. And, you know, what? I, it's mm. kind of different because, you know, I raised two boys and um, 
they didn't confide in me too much, but they mm -hmm. confided in other adults mm -hmm. where they felt comfortable mm -hmm. because they said they always pretty much knew the answer I was mm -hmm. going to give them. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, but it wasn't yeah. always the case. But right. I think engaging our, our youth um, and meeting them where they're at okay. and, and building relationships with them yeah. is really important. And here's what I think. A lot of times it's not the parents who, who will do that. Right. It's, I don't know why it is, but it seems like Sometimes the youth will gravitate to a certain person, yep. um, and um, and they want to engage, and so I, I think I think that's one, and I think a lot of times too is educating the parents hmm. on what their behavior looks like and mm -hmm. what it portrays to the to kids. The kids yeah. You know, I I think there mm -hmm. are generational generations of families who don't know any different than the way they're living life right now. Yeah. All they've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, is mm -hmm. a bottle of whiskey in the cabinet and uh, dad's drunk at six o'clock, mm -hmm. you yeah. know? That's right. what they know. Right. Um, um, harsh words, you know, um, being treated as almost a secondary citizen. Yeah, you and know? then they mm -hmm. just repeat it. Yeah, then yeah. they just repeat it because yeah. that's, that's what they learn. Mm -hmm. So then once somebody gets incarcerated, is there jail ministries that people can get involved like i i don't even know how what that is, is so there? i'm still working on that um, okay jamie uh, karst over there at the jail i believe she has some programs going she's okay. she has her hands full over there from what i understand okay uh i'm still trying to get in and talk with her and see what we can do to help okay uh but i i know she's kind of overwhelmed yeah She's overwhelmed. Okay. So that's still kind of up in the air. Yeah, we're Is still working on that. Is there places you can go outside of Huntington to do jail ministry? Um, well, so I am uh, um, I'm licensed um, over at Allen County Jail, uh, but I also belong to a program called Kairos, which is uh, yeah, that's it, international prison ministry. Okay. So I've been with them for about 20 years, okay. and I sit on the board with them. And uh, so what we do, in fact, they're doing it right now at Miami Correctional Facility is they're doing a four day weekend there, Thursday, mm. Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Well, they'll go in and they'll help the men, 36 handpicked men, um, work through some of the issues that got them there. Hmm. Um, now, here's the struggle. And this is what led Pastor and Jim and I to really pursue a men's recovery home is there are stipulations in their bylaws that say that when a gentleman gets out of prison, um, that he's not allowed to have contact with a Kairos member for a year or two. What? It, it doesn't make sense to me. It never has. In fact, I offered to go and train volunteers how to work with guys when they got out of prison, and they denied it. The state mm. council did. Mm. Uh, but um, Jim and I were adamant that, okay, you go to this Kairos weekend, uh, they have a very, very reliable follow-up. They go every, mm. twice a week, I think. Mm. They do uh, what they call prayer and share. Mm. Um, and they get to know these guys, and they build relationships. And then they say, oh, you're a month away from getting out. I'm sorry, I can't help you. Yeah. Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. So Jim and I said, no, we're not doing yeah. that yeah, anymore. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. Um, and so that's really another area where we said mm -hmm. we need to start this recovery home. I know lots of guys in Kairos. They do yeah. a great, great right. program, a great thing. Mm -hmm. So you know what? Just refer the guys over here. Yeah. I, know, I know how to deal with them. Right. I've so been there, done that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so now we get, hey, people are transitioning out. And so you've talked a little bit about that. So mm -hmm. can you give people ways to 
Do you want them to get in contact with you? Do you want them to go on a website? Like, what's the best way to be a part of helping you get what you need done? Yeah, here's here's what I would say. I think if if the finances are a part of it, then just go to the Place of Grace website. Okay. Um, if they want to talk to me about other ways to help, okay. I'll give you my number. Okay. Yeah. Because um, I think Nick can put out there, you know, after we're done, a, a connection. Yeah, so I write like a little blurb for them okay. to put okay. on so like social in, media in the, and stuff like that. And the thing so, about yeah. it is, too, is, you know, they can give clothes. The men mm -hmm. need clothes when they get out of prison. They can give food. Mm -hmm. They need food that. for the house, you mm -hmm. know. Um, they Winter coats, mm -hmm. shoes. Mm -hmm. um, big thing that Jim and I talked about, Taylor and I talked about, is... I know here at Life Church we have people who could train them in skills, right? Um, whether it be auto mechanics, carpentry, mm -hmm. whatever. Right. right. Give them a skill. Give them a trade. Mm -hmm. um, so those are all things that would absolutely mm -hmm. be wonderful awesome. to have. Yeah. Good. You know, if you can't give money and you say, "Hey, but you know what? I'm a darn good mechanic." Right. Bring one of them guys over here. Mm -hmm. Let me let me show them how to work on cars. Right. Right. Great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. They Good. need that. So, yeah, there's a lot of different ways to help. Yeah. So you'll go ahead and get mm -hmm. that out on the, so that you can yep. get a hold okay. of them. Yep. So. Good. Yep. All right. Did I, I did <laughs> took the whole thing away. I'm sorry. Did you have questions? <laughs> I, I have no question. Well, okay. I, yeah. I could probably ask them a bunch of questions, but no, okay. I'm good. No, I'm sure? good. I am. Totally good, but okay. yeah, just pick your. It would be interesting just to pick your brain more. On yeah, maybe we just things, need so. to have them back again. Maybe you know, yeah. about, maybe I, we'll I do a follow that. up once we get the home or something. Yeah, but, I, yeah. I, I would love that. I I think um, you know, as much as I would love to go back to Chicago, that's my home and always mm -hmm. be my home. Um, I think God has brought me here. Mm -hmm. You know, um, help me get established, um, help me to raise the kids, and a really. I think a safe environment. Yeah. Um, and now, now they're all adults, and and so you know, I mm -hmm. he, I guess he's kind of slowly revealing his plan. Yeah. You know, you're on the second half. What God wants you to do. I think so. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I think that's so. awesome. Yeah. 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 Again, so we're we'll be praying for you. We're super excited that. that we get to be a part of. Um, like when I got that email today that said that the work release guys and mm -hmm. I had to say that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know I wondered too, but yeah, he, yeah. he already so said it. He already yeah, yeah. said it, so oh, you're you good. Did already said yeah. It? Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah that we they just get, call them residents. I'm sorry. Yeah. So the residents get to come and their families, and yeah. that we get an mm -hmm. opportunity to just love on families mm -hmm. and yeah. love on people and build relationships. So thank you for mm -hmm. giving us that yeah. chance to, uh, to do was, that because mm -hmm. that's so exciting yeah, for us as a church. Yeah, it was the Lord, but, you know, I was just kind of the vessel he used. Yeah. Um, yeah, so thank you for that work. Thank yeah. you for the work that you've mm -hmm. obviously done in the past and what you're doing now with the transition home. And we'll be continue to pray and, yeah. and hopefully through this podcast and getting things out there, we can continue to get more awareness, you yeah. know, out there of, of what can all be done. Because, I mean, if you look at it, it could be limitless. Mm -hmm. you know, let, me, let, let me just, I just want to put one plug in there because something I forgot to bring up. You know, I, I've been involved with a lot of different judicial systems. Um, both on the other side of the wall and on this side. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the judicial system we have here, from the judges to the sheriff, uh, are really very caring people who mm -hmm. don't really want to send people to prison. Yeah. They want to see them get healthy and well. Right. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is a huge plus. Yeah. Huge plus Good. when you're not fighting the system. Mm -hmm. You know, our judges and, and, and our sheriff and... Um, 
you know, the community corrections, they don't want to put, they don't, you know, they don't right. want to separate people from their families. They don't want to send them to prison. Some people need to go to prison. Sure. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, there's a high percentage that they need help right. rather than going to prison. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and our judges see that. Yeah. So. That's exciting. Yeah, it is good. Yeah, good. It's good. Well, Don, thank you mm-hmm. so much for coming on. Thanks for giving all of your wisdom, your story, mm-hmm. your insight. We'll continue to pray that God continues to use you and that we'll keep doing everything we can to help in whatever way we can. And I appreciate hope you guys that are listening or watching when this gets out there, share it, like it, comment. Um, if you're out there and you have the, the means to be able to remove barriers, I think we just need to be a people uh, that don't just hear but act. Mm-hmm. Like we need, to, we need to be out there making a difference and, and coming alongside things that are making a difference. So Absolutely. thanks, everybody, for joining us, and we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Bye. See ya. Perfect. Thank you for having me.